You want to find your tribe of raving fans. I'm going to help you do it. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 316 Media, where we help you do better business. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lamb and you're watching episode, oh, this is going to be somewhere on the 20 mark uh, of Digging Deep, where we help business owners build better business. Uh, and today I'm joined by a lovely lady that I've met long, long time ago, very, very long time. Uh, and we recently reconnected because I met her husband uh, at a networking event and we got chatting and I trolled his Facebook page and lo and behold, I saw her and I was like, oh my God, I haven't seen her in so long. Um, but She's a wonderful individual. I met her when she was uh, doing makeup at the time. Uh, and, you know, we've disconnected for, oh, it's got to be better half of a, almost a decade at least now. Um, and she's come back and, you know, I'm super ecstatic to, to connect with her because she's recently won uh, Top Mom Blogger of the Year 2020. Uh, and so welcome to the show, Lucy from Live Laugh Lucy. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Great. I was no, super happy. Um, I was excited to 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 find out that uh, uh, you are now even you know more connected to me because like you know I I really like Will. Um, I love your husband, uh, and and of course I love you. Like not not say I don't love you. But but it's funny because you know as life travels and and we go on we we often come in and out of each other's lives and it's kind of neat that uh, you've come back into the the ecosystem or the the ethos and uh, you know you get an opportunity to see how you've changed and how you've adapted uh, and so I've noticed that you've won uh, top mommy blogger of the year so that must be exciting so tell me a little bit about how you uh, started your journey into blogging you know what got you into it Actually, um, I started blogging years ago. I don't even remember when exactly. <laughs> More than 10, 15 years ago. And uh, so I had two blogs before, like two websites. And uh, I noticed uh, a pattern after a few years. I would always kind of start something and then I would kind of give up. And, uh, and then I would try to like, I don't know, I, I was like following other bloggers, other fashion bloggers. I'm like, oh, I really like fashion. I like makeup. You know, I'm like, I can do this. Like, I've got lots to share. But the most that I liked about blogging was writing. And um, I'm a, also not a tech, techie person. Like, I'm so not tech savvy. <laughs> so um, after my first blog, it was called One of Plenty. Um, I kind of stopped that because I'm like, oh, geez, I don't know how to use WordPress. I don't know anything about coding and all that kind of stuff. It was like, there was no Squarespace back then or Wix or whatever. So then I kind of gave that up. And then a few years later, I started another blog called Feast and Fashion because I'm like, I like food, I like fashion. <laughs> so I kind of came up with that. And then doing that off and on um, for like almost a year, I'd say. And then I also kind of gave up on that. I'm just like, well, this isn't really my thing, you know, I'm just, um, I'm not really, it's, it's kind of the same thing. I'm just talking about fashion I'm not even that much of a fashionista actually but I just really enjoyed the creative outlet of it I loved taking photos I loved putting um, content together with photos so and writing and expressing myself so that was what I truly liked um, and then later on um, I would say about 
five years ago, four or five years ago, I started a little YouTube channel and it was called, it's called Live Laugh Lucy. And I would do like makeup tutorials and things like that. And that was like more of a practice for me to get out of my comfort zone and share like my knowledge in, in makeup and, and doing makeovers and stuff like that. But then again, after about three months of doing it, I gave up. So, um, and then I started like, uh, and then, and then I started to kind of wonder um, or get more clear as to what is it that I really want to put out there. And so I noticed that uh, my passion truly lied in motherhood once I became a mother. And so I started Live Laugh Lucy again, but instead of um, starting an actual official blog, because I still haven't figured that out yet, <laughs> the website and all that, I'm like, well, you know, Instagram can be my platform because I'm comfortable with it. I know it well enough. And there's you know, um, still a lot I can learn from it, but I'm like, I was comfortable enough to just kind of get it started. So instead of like waiting for all my ducks to line up, I'm like, you know, what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to just do my thing and, and write and whatever it is and just see how it goes. But I told myself I'm not going to give up. And so after, um, my first baby was born, I started to follow a lot of other mommy bloggers on Instagram and I was just so inspired by them. And, uh, and then that's when I started to share a little bit more about myself. And, uh, I just found a lot of passion and fire in sharing what's real and just being honest with what's going on day to day, um, with, in terms of like my journey being a mom and uh, I felt like a lot of people got a lot of value out of it and so it kind of just kick-started um, I would say last year like the end of November is when one of my posts got featured like reposted by a big um, Instagram platform like motherhood Instagram platform like oh that's cool and then more and more people started reaching out to me saying like wow your post really spoke to me and I can totally relate and and all that kind of stuff and I'm like okay so I'm gonna continue sharing more because obviously like this is starting to like positively impact other people yeah <laughs> fantastic I mean we're generally like even for us in the marketing world when we talk about um, you know, that authenticity and genuine uh, contribution into the ecosystem. It, it's, it's an interesting way that I think people try to put their best self forward. And I think that's where uh, a lot of people have struggled uh, in, in social media. It's, you know, they want to put up something where they think what people want to see or a better version of, you know, themselves. So that way people feel like, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. And it's part of it. It's our vanity and our insecurities and the confidence issues. So what's really interesting to me is, is, you know, having to be vulnerable and putting, you know, articles and comments and thoughts that are, you know, very real and raw and, and very intimate to you how do you overcome that that insecurity because i think a lot of people struggle with it and you know and, and i i could understand that it's probably still a battle but how do you how do you overcome it for long enough for you to press send <laughs> <laughs> for sure you know what i'll just be completely honest after the first after giving birth to my first son <laughs> I was out 
completely open, naked, like in front of like my doula, my midwife, roaring and pu- trying to push my baby out. I like did not care. I did not care. I was like this primitive, like powerful, like <laughs> like woman. That's what I felt like. I felt like a goddess and I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to be all out in the open and my focus right now is to tap into my power. You can stare all you want, but I'm just going to do my thing. And after that, I'm like, I really have nothing to hide. And I'm like, and I just don't get a fuck. <laughs> I just, I just don't care. I don't, I don't care anymore. I'm like, this is, this is me. And, and, uh, and I'm embracing it. And I just learned to have fun with it. (laughs) So, so what you're telling me is that I've got to push a watermelon through me naked as a jaybird and I will have no problems putting everything out on the internet. Got it. I totally understand. I have, no, I'm not doing this next week. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's pretty much when I was just like, okay, like you know, I'm I, I'm I'm good to go. Like I I, I just no more shame, no more shame. Yeah, and I you shouldn't it. have shame. I think being a mother um, is extremely difficult. I mean, it is probably one of the hardest jobs, and probably one of the most thankless jobs that I think women can have. Um, you know, but you pour your life and soul into it and you give everything, you know, for not just the family and the kids, but like, you know, everything in your entire world, you'll give up for, for the little ones. You know, I think that's a, that's something special. So can you tell me a little bit about, you know, the learnings and, and, or did you, did you have new inspiration and learning Um, as you had these kids, what did they teach you about this process and about, you know, um, being vulnerable and being open to the world? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, Life isn't picture perfect anymore when you have, when you start a family and nothing ever, ever goes as planned. I mean, I was half an hour late into this podcast because (laughs) things just don't go as planned, you know, and out of all the days and all the nights, you know, I'm like, okay, nine o'clock is a good time for you and I to have a talk (laughs) because I know I'm guaranteeing to you that my boys are going to be down. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) they were both crying at the same time while my husband was out walking the dog. So I had to go handle both of them, you know, before talking to you. So, I mean, that's what, um, that's actually a beautiful gift that my boys have taught me is that nothing in life goes as planned and you just kind of have to go with it. And why I failed in blogging before is because everything had to be picture perfect, you know, and that like robbed, robbed me of my, yeah, I, I was insecure. Um, I was, I was lost. I was, um, a perfectionist, you know, I had a looking good, I had a thing of always wanting to look good in front of other people, like, um, and, uh, thinking that, oh, I, I need to hold up to this, like, reputation of living, like, a, a certain type of lifestyle or whatever it is, um, but after having my boys, I'm like, uh, yeah, just, uh, nothing, nothing is picture perfect. And, um, you can poop all over is just dandy for Instagram. Actually, it makes for even really much more engaging content. I think viewership goes up when they see, you know, like streaks of poo on white shirts and like, you know, milk stains on black shirts. I think that just exponentially climbs. (laughs) So (laughs) keeping it real. (laughs) So then over time, I think, you know, uh, blogging is 
is been very stable across the internet for quite quite a number of years. Um, and of course, now it's, I think, kind of been overshadowed a little bit by, you know, the digital media, that's the Instagrams, the YouTubes, and the Facebooks. Um, where do you feel like written word is now in this, in, in this space? Like, how do you feel personally about, you know, what written word does and or impacts the people that, you know, that frequent and, and interact and engage in you and your websites? I feel um, like this is what it drives me to write is when I notice that when, if my posts are like just kind of like a picture and like a one word caption, not much engagement, people are just kind of like, yeah, like, you know, like they just go through my feed and that's it. Um, but when I put like, when I pour my heart into what I want to convey in a photo or my, the story that I want to tell or something that I just want to share personally. Um, I know that if I'm touching one person, I'm probably going to touch more than one mom. And to me, that's, that's enough reason to just, to invest um, my time to, to just speak my truth. Yeah. So. And have you found, um, you kind of touched on it, but I mean, I think a lot of people have a misconception that, you know, long captions, long, long form content, um, you know, I call long form content anything over like 10 words at this point in social media. But I think people have this notion that, you know, people don't read the comments or don't read the captions. And you, you're telling me um, that it's quite the opposite, that in fact, you're actually getting better engagement. Is that true? It is. Yeah. And I was surprised too, because I, I thought that like, you know, Instagram is just like a photo you know, it's, it's all, it's all just like pictures, usually like squares that you're going through and, and people just like quickly go through it, double tap, because I wouldn't really read too long into like certain, um, blog posts, unless it's like the photo is, I cap is like, unless the photo like captures my, my eyes and like the first few words, um, in the actual post, um, if it's engaging, then, then I'll, then I'll, uh, then I'll look into it. But um, now that's something that I wanted to share with as well is that I letterboard with my um, posts. So it's not just like a picture of me, like, you know, posing or whatever. <laughs> and then there's like a, like a, a long thing about talking about, um, I don't know, like something about motherhood, right? It's not, it's not like, it's not just like a picture of me and my baby, but sometimes I'll have a picture of me and my baby. And then like, I'm holding a letter board and the letter board is what really draws people in. And usually I'm, I'll, I'll think of, um, uh, a catchy title to put on my letter board, which, um, draws people to tap and be like, Oh, I want to read a little bit more about this. So Cool. Um, so where did you get the idea of the letterboard? Because the thing is really wonderful. I've been, I was cruising through your feed and I thought, oh, that's really cute that you use a letterboard. Right. Um, other mommy bloggers that I, um, that I love following, I love like their style of writing. I love how raw, honest and real they are. And, um, and I kind of just tested it out for myself um, near the end of a month before my second boy was born. Um, I did a post uh it went some the letter board said something like sorry but not sorry <laughs> it was just me sitting down like this with the letter board like right in the middle and like looking at the camera like and, and it says like sorry but not sorry and 
And then I wrote a poem and the poem went something like, sorry, but not sorry if I don't pick up your call. Sorry for, but not sorry if I don't go out with you all. Do you remember this one? (laughs) And the main message was that based on my experience with my firstborn, I'm like, I'm going to set boundaries with um, how I'm going to move forward with my second baby in my fourth trimester, you know, and, and that was a huge lesson for me. And I think that's something that so many parents can relate to because it's exciting when there's like a first baby that's born in the family or whatever it is, family and friends, they come visit and this and that. And it's like a celebration. But then at the same time, there's like no room and no time for the mom and the dad and baby to heal and to connect and all of that. So when I made up that letter board, um, that was the first one that really kind of um, got like a lot of attention. And uh, I'm like, yeah, this is great. Um, so many people can relate to it. I'm going to move forward and just sh- continue to share and speak my truth about um, what's real with um, motherhood and parenthood, marriage and, and everything else in between. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I think the sorry, not sorry mantra is is a beautiful mantra. Um, now, now, before we, we dive into this question, um, just for context for the viewers, are you working currently? Um, you know, are you, are you, working at a job uh, private prior to to all of this crazy stuff that's happening but like prior to um were you working at a job or you know just in between mat leaves or between mat leaves yeah yeah and okay. 200 too so i didn't get to go back to work because i got pregnant like eight months postpartum with my first boy okay. cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so so as i as i asked you this question it might be a little bit um out of reach but you know do your best to kind of kind of help me out with this. So, you know, what I really love about the sorry not sorry is I think a lot of people, um, you know, who are parents working, um, whether they're entrepreneurs or or just in the general workforce, um, don't set boundaries uh, and or have difficulty setting boundaries uh, for fear of backlash, for fear of judgment. Um, and, and what I want to ask you is is, you know, what did you face when you set those type of boundaries? Um, and, and how did you overcome, you know, that stigma, uh, of it? Mm-hmm. Um, it was scary. It's always scary to say no. Um, especially because I am a people pleaser. I'm one of the, I'm very supportive. I'm always the type to just like welcome people with open arms and be like, come in, come in, sit down, have more, eat more, drink more. Come on. You know, and I'm not like a party pooper. So, and same with my husband. He has, he has a big problem saying no, like we're both the same. We're the same kind of people, which is why we married each other. <laughs> um, but we pay the price big time, big time. And like, there's a cost when you do not say no, when you don't set boundaries. And there's also a loss of respect because people don't know how to respect you to a certain point. Um, or So I started to notice these patterns that... Um, uh, it actually served me, it served my husband, it served my family, it served us so much, all of us a lot better to set boundaries and not necessarily just like cutting people off, but it would be like, okay, you know what, like, um, you'd love to come see the baby, you love to come visit us, all right, let's, um, well, you got to bring some food then, or, you know, you kind of, it's kind of like give and take a balance, like setting a boundary, but also like allowing people to give and allow, and for us to receive. So finding that balance, 
Um, but also setting boundaries or it's like, okay, well, I'm still healing. I, I am committed to uh, only family can come visit during the fourth trimester, but after three months, you're more than welcome to come and we can set a time, like as long as you give me like one month's notice. So I would just like, you know, I would set boundaries and I would, I would still let people in, but I wouldn't cut them off like right away. Um, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think if, you know, what I'm hearing is, is when you send these boundaries, you're not just, you know, telling them yes or no, you're, you're giving them both context and, and, and expectations. Um, you know, and I think one of the things that you just touched on was really interesting is that, you know, it's not only about, um, you know, giving them opportunities, but it's also being gracious enough, gracious and humble enough to take and know that, you know, like if they're going to come to visit, you know, please bring food. And some people just aren't ready to do that. They, they just feel like, oh, you know, am I asking too much? But I think on the other side, I think the people kind of go, well, you know, we should do something for her or, you know, we should bring something, but they don't really know what to bring. But I think when you lay out those ground rules and concepts, you know, it gives them some framework to work inside of and that they're able to be able to open up creativity on how to to both serve both parties. Absolutely, yes, yes, yeah. And, and so what was work like um, prior to having the boys? What were you doing then? A cosmetic manager, so I was managing a team. Yeah, and yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> and so are there plans to go back? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I do miss, miss going back to work. So. <laughs> so then here's the loaded question. As you go back, how does that play in with the family and the kids? Because, you know, I know uh, I, I'm an entrepreneur. My wife is, uh, is working, um, but our schedules are very flexible by and large. Right. And, and I know that your husband um, has some flex, but I mean, inevitably he's got to be at the store. Um, and of course, in your duties, you got to be at the store. How are you going to, um, you know, juggle that and and you know what are your plans going into it because i think it's valuable for those people especially mothers who are in the workforce maybe have their own entrepreneur you know uh, enterprise you know what could they glean from you know your your learnings over the last you know five years or so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um well we haven't really figured that part out yet <laughs> <laughs> but I have an idea. We're, we're kind of like tentative with what we're going to be doing. Um, so when, when we decided to have two under two, I knew it was vital for us to create some sort of support because you know how they say it takes a village to raise a family. Um, well, nowadays, modern days, there ain't no village. I don't have a village. <laughs> so we got to create one. And so what we did is that luckily with our eldest, he's very social and he has been ever since he learned how to laugh, which was when he was like three months old. He just loves being around people. Well, he that, loves people. That's mom's much, much. jeans. <laughs> that my, well, who? My jeans or dad's jeans? Yeah, jeans. <laughs> well, it's pretty social too, but I was yeah, not. But anyway. He doesn't laugh nearly as much as you do. Right. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> no, Elijah, he laughs a lot. And so, and, and he loves being around people. So I'm like, this is like so freaking perfect. Put him in daycare, put him in daycare. <laughs> and the first day we put him in daycare, he was like, he loved it. Like he was, he was really great. And so I'm like, this is, this is perfect. And we're, we just so happened to find a daycare near the place we're living. And that's what we ended up getting just like, a few blocks away a month before Nathaniel was born my second boy 
So that worked out really great. And now moving forward, I'm just like, okay, how is this going to work now? Um, if I go back to work and this and that, and so I'm like, okay, we'll put Nathaniel in daycare too. And we'll just figure out the rest. And at the same time, like, it's not really set in stone. It's not set in stone. Like I, like Will and I were talking and like tentatively, I would like to go back to work. Um, and I told him that I'd be going back about a year, um, after Nathaniel went once Nathaniel turns a year old so um I mean it's been almost three years since I've been <laughs> work so they're still holding my position which is nice um but yeah I think that just creating that village getting support um we're going to be moving out closer to where my parents live and my sisters so it'll be nice to have family support and getting the daycare set up and yeah, and, and that will help create um, more balance in our lives. Um, we'll can focus on his business, and then I can focus on doing my thing. So, yeah. <laughs> it's it's tough. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've kind of gone through it. But like I said, we were a lot more flexible in our scheduling because, you know, my wife works at home generally. Uh, and then mine is fairly adaptable. And I'm, I've been very fortunate. We have a team here that, that is able to, to help bur- lighten the load. Uh, lighten the burden and, and kind of ease it up when I need it, um, especially if my wife has to travel out of out of uh, province. Um, but an interesting thing um, I, you were talking about. So you know, for those people who don't know um, and who are who are who are listening here, your husband runs a business, um, and so he's the sort of the entrepreneur, you know, in the in the household. What is it like as a spouse mother you know in that environment and you know what type of concessions um you know what type of compromises do you have to make um you know to accommodate that type of relationship because it's stressful um and it adds a a sort of another layer uh to just two average working parents and and i would know this because you know i i definitely do the same to to mel on my side um but I'd love to hear it because, you know, that's not something that uh, I think my spouse will openly share um, or, or be able to give it to, to me straight without, you know, wanting to crush my ego and spirit. But I can, I can already imagine that it's quite a bit to deal with. But maybe you can help me shed some light on, you know, what that's like for the other half. You know, what, what type of things do you go through without, you know, like incinerating Will on, on, on the side? With Will being an entrepreneur, you mean? Like, yes, where are the challenges? Like, yeah, where are the challenges um, for you, like, to, to juggle the kids, um, you know, to juggle the household duties, to be a spouse, you know, like, you know, what what type of things, like, do you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis? And, you know, if Will, if you're listening to this, you know, this will be just gold and you can thank me later. <laughs> well, Okay. Now, because it's like, we're almost two years into having our first child. So we're starting to find, now we're starting to find our groove together after about two years of um, having a kid. Uh, It was definitely challenging in the very beginning because he was so used to just having his own schedule, doing everything on his own terms, not having to... um, really report to anybody you know he was his own boss he was in charge of everything and in control (laughs) once we had our boys actually the moment I got pregnant it's kind of like he started to to realize and see that man um his freedom started to slowly like go away (laughs) 
<laughs> and, um, especially after we had our first baby. I mean, it was a shock to both of us, but it was especially to him because he's so used to having everything, doing everything his way, especially the sleep, like the sleep, losing sleep and not being able to sleep in or um, him having to pick up his feet and his hands to help me even because I was so independent before I was like it was just do everything by myself I, I was like no no I just I, like I'd push him away be like no let me do it let me do it you know and, and he was used to that and then after um our first boy was born um all of that was kind of like our world flipped like turned upside down because he was like oh man like I don't I can't I have like no say anymore like, it felt like, I can understand, like, he told me, it felt like he had no say in anything, like, I was in charge, like, he was just the one that had to follow me, and he wasn't used to that, he wasn't used to scheduled, a routine, like, and that were things that I knew I had to set in place for our boys, like, for for the sake, to, to save our family, really, and ultimately to save our marriage, so there are certain things that, like, he wasn't used to, because he was so used to running his own show, and now all of a sudden we have like our first boy and then our second boy. And it's kind of like, they're kind of running our show. Right now. <laughs> but then we're kind of guide, we still have to guide them as parents and work together as a team. So for my husband, I think that was like the most challenging part. It was definitely hard for me because I'm used to working as a team. Like I manage a team. So I'm, I'm used to working with a team and kind of seeing the bigger picture when it comes to setting goals and trying to meet them and things like that, you know, and for my husband, he's just used to doing his own thing, being an entrepreneur. And so, <laughs> anyway, does yeah, that answer your question? I can, I can definitely relate to that. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't sleep a lot uh, predicating our little one being born. Um, but then I tell you, I was so gung-ho. I was, I was telling my wife, you know, I'll take the morning shift because I wake up, you know, bright and early, early bird gets the worm kind of thing and pff, blew up in my face. I, I, like for the first two weeks, I couldn't even wake up. And like my wife would, oh, she got just so mad at me uh, and, and rightfully so. Like, uh, you know, there is an expectation there and I totally was, I thought I was ready, but man, that was a ton of bricks. Um, and being an entrepreneur, it's really difficult. Um, you know, when you're, when you're usually the, the one, you know, where everybody leans on and, you know, you are sort of in a sense, but, you know, as you know, we don't have a manual and there isn't really a guidebook on how to manage this new addition to your family and all the new things that come with it, you know, in terms of the emotion, the, the, the things that you have to do on a day-to-day -day basis and all the, the emotional stuff that comes with that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a lot to take in uh, and it's, and, and, you know, just short of our wives, you know, cutting our heads off for, for non-compliance and not understanding um, out of, out of our sheer innocence <laughs> and well, naivety about the scenario. <laughs> sure. I, and I feel like, you know, I can empathize with um, Will and with, men or other fathers out there because one thing with women is that we we've had almost nine months to kind of prepare like our bodies kind of prepare ourselves for the sleep deprivation and all of that having to wake up like last trimester every like hour to go pee and you know so we kind of like are set up to to be able to nurture and not have that sleep. Whereas I think it really like for, for my husband, at least I could really see it hit him like really hard when like um, our firstborn was, 
when our first son was born. <laughs> yeah, the lack of sleep. So then how do you guys manage that stress um, at home? Like right now? Yeah, like, well, I mean, just, <laughs> yes, like right now. <laughs> yeah, great. Like, <laughs> once we train both our boys, it's like we got our lives back. We're like, woohoo! We can, we can, we can be in love again. We can just do our own thing even like we can just, yeah, just after sleep training, both of our boys, um, and getting them on a routine, um, we were able to just, it was like a breath of fresh air. It was like, everybody can get their rest. Everybody can have like their downtime and we get to reconnect again. And so we, we commit to that now. Um, you know, as much as possible every evening once they're down, usually around 7.30 to 8, latest 9 o'clock. Um, that gives <laughs> Will and I a couple hours to wind down together and then have some time apart as well. So, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Fantastic. This has been truly enlightening. One of the things I generally to ask uh, my guests is, do you have um, something that a resource or something that's inspired you um, you know, in your own journey that, you know, you could recommend to any of our listeners um, that, that you think could be va add value to them? Um, it could value. be a book, a website, a blog, you know, something that you've drawn inspiration from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say um, investing in personal development courses is super powerful i think that those are that's one of the um secret ingredients that has saved my marriage <laughs> my husband and i um we did a lot of personal development work together before and uh like little workshops and stuff like that and so one of them that i can recommend is um called psi so if people want to look that up they can yeah, um, look into that. Um, we've been able to build a really great community in Vancouver because of that. And a lot of amazing tools um, through that um, course, um, multiple courses actually you can take, but we did all of them. And that has truly helped me overcome my fears and to continue to um, work on myself, work on um, Live Laugh Lucy, um, building an online business, and as well as for my husband, and in all aspects of our lives, like whether it's like business, creativity, um, family, relationships, like I feel um, that's an important um, tool to invest in in order to really thrive in life. So. <laughs> We've definitely done a good job in that. And you still, as as much as I remember from the first day I met you, you still carry a beautiful smile on your face and you still have this bright, you know, loving glow around you. And I think you've always had. So, you know, kudos for you to keeping that through the decades. Honestly, it's not an easy feat, especially with two kids and a, and a marriage. <laughs> but I really want to thank you for joining me on the podcast here today. For those people who are listening, um, please feel free to check out Lucy. She's on Instagram at Live Laugh Lucy, and that's uh, Live Laugh and L U C I, right? That's right. And then same on Facebook. You can find her at facebook.com slash Live Laugh Lucy. Um, please join her on her journey if you are interested in learning about all things motherhood and you know the journey of being a, a, a genuine human being and so she's such a lovely person and her kids are freaking beautiful um you know 
it comes from good genes. God damn it. Thanks, <laughs> Justin. <laughs> but again, thank you for joining me here today. And uh, I, I really, it was really great to catch up with you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks.